Welcome to Healthy Outcomes, a Baker Tilly podcast, where we'll informally discuss topics such as financial sustainability, value-based care, cybersecurity, and more. Baker Tilly is a leading advisory tax and assurance firm dedicated to helping healthcare organizations be financially sustainable. Each episode will bring you a topic or guest that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. Hello, my name is Krista Pankamp, and I am a partner and behavioral health sector leader in Baker Tilly's healthcare practice. Joining me today are Laura Rash and Travis Willing, who are senior managers in our practice. Today, we will be discussing federal, state, and local funding coming through the various laws from the last few years, including what we've seen as we've worked with our clients and how you can be ready for upcoming compliance audits. So welcome to Laura and Travis. Travis, when I think back over the last six months, there have been some surprises for me as we've looked through our client base and what they've received in grants. Is there anything that surprises you? There's certainly been some surprises during the process, Krista. The volume of funds that were available to service providers and the number of new programs that were created, such as the Paycheck Protection Program and the Provider Relief Funds, were definitely unusual and much higher than you typically see. In addition, the speed with which the programs rolled out and funds were made available to the service providers was definitely a a much more speedy process than you typically see with government programs. That's really true, because when I think back, some of our clients received money into their bank account and they didn't know where it came from. And others, the money was going out before the rules that they had to follow were actually there. So I absolutely agree with what you just said. Laura, I know that Baker Tilly's been discussing provider relief funds as it relates to healthcare, but what other funding should our behavioral health clients be aware of? I think provider relief funds has been such a huge big ticket item to discuss, mainly relating to clients getting money that they were surprised that showed up in their bank accounts. But besides provider relief funds or PRF, that's 93.498 for assistance listing number. There have been some other really big hitters that affected the country. The first one is the coronavirus state and local fiscal recovery fund, which is assistance listing number 21.027. That's mainly affecting our states and our local governments. Some of that money has been funneled down to nonprofit and for-profit healthcare entities. Educational stabilization funds for all of our schools, HUD COVID supplemental payments for housing projects, coronavirus relief funds or CRF has gotten a lot of notice and attention because that funding, which is 21.019 assistance listing number, has been funneling through states, counties, and local governments to clients. So to for-profit and not-for-profit healthcare entities, behavioral health. So I think it's important for people to realize there's other funding sources that are coming. There are a few that have come that are not subject to single audit. So Travis mentioned the Paycheck Protection Program. While there's requirements, it's not subject to the uniform guidance restaurant revitalization fund and the employee retention credit. So a lot of other funding through COVID, but not subject to single audit. So to say that in a different way, is it possible that we have clients that have received multiple levels of funding from entities that they've never worked with before? Absolutely, absolutely. And it could be a combination and it could take some digging to figure out, is this COVID fund? Is it just a rate increase? What really are these funds? And how are they 
supposed to be reflected within the schedule of federal awards. Good to know. Travis, Laura mentioned basically the sheer amount of different funding coming through. Are there any other challenges you've seen as our clients have tried to work through this funding, especially some that's come for the first time or brand new programs? For sure. One of the biggest challenges service providers have had is that a lot of these funds were distributed before the compliance requirements were even finalized. So in some instances, they were receiving funds from various programs or even using the funds from various programs before the compliance requirements were published in AWARE. So it's a, a bit difficult to, to follow rules that weren't in place when you were using the funds. And then in addition to that, some of the compliance requirements have change for these programs even after they were first published. So provider relief funds have had a couple different changes here from the start as to what those requirements are. So that definitely poses some challenges to clients, specifically those not accustomed to working with federal funds is trying to understand just what they need to do in order to be in compliance has been a challenge. And I know thinking about our client base and who we're working with, some of our clients received basically an add-on to the rate, and they didn't know that add-on was federal funding. And then some of our clients did apply for funding and received it. And I know it, I mentioned it previously, but then we had other clients that literally just had money show up in their bank accounts. And they're like, what is this and what do I do with this? So many of our clients have had to have a separate tracking system for all these different funds and making sure that they're spending the money correctly. I've been in public accounting for over 25 years. And one of the new concepts that came through this year that I've never seen is this concept of a beneficiary, where previously, if you've received federal funding over a certain limit, you need to you know, comply with the compliance requirements and then have some kind of testing from a public accounting firm on the back end. But this year we had beneficiaries. Could one of you explain what that means and, and how that could help our clients with this concept? Sure, Christelle, jump in and give a quick explanation. So yeah, as you mentioned, previously the, the conversation surrounding government funds as far as whether uniform guidance rules apply is always centered around whether you're a subrecipient or a contractor with subrecipients needing to comply with the uniform guidance. One of the changes that kind of was buried within the CARES Act was that they broadened the definition of a beneficiary to include businesses and organizations instead of just individuals. And if you're considered a beneficiary, then it's an out from the uniform guidance rules. So you don't have to follow the, the compliance requirements that you would often have to. So there's been you know, some lack of understanding of that change and some differences within different state local governments as to how to apply those changes. So it's definitely worth a, a conversation with your grantor to make sure you understand if you're a subrecipient or a beneficiary or a contractor so that you can comply with the rules that are applicable to you. Because if you are a beneficiary, this is almost like a contribution to you, right? Correct. You're just re you're receiving the money. So for the individuals listening who work with not-for-profits and are used to the single audit concept, this would not be included in your single audit if you're a beneficiary. So Laura, we, we talked about a lot of different things in our last few minutes, but for clients that have already received federal funds, so mainly the not-for-profits and are used to the compliance requirements around that, what are some key takeaways from today? 
Yeah, I think if you're already playing the space, you understand the importance of controls over compliance as well as compliance. Where this comes into play, some of this COVID funding is now any COVID funding you received is required to be separately segregated within your schedule of federal expenditures. And so even if it's a program, it's an add-on to a program, as Krista alluded to earlier, you would still segregate that. So it's very clear this portion is COVID, this portion is not. So that's new and different and a little exciting. If you were there back in the era or the ARA days, um, that was a requirement as well. So be, just be on the lookout for that. And then I would also say the federal government has identified many of these programs to be programs of higher risk. So you should probably expect your auditors to potentially be testing these programs as a major federal program. The likelihood is much higher as it relates to COVID funding from a testing perspective. I would also encourage you to make sure you're aware of all of the requirements within the program. None of these are like hidden surprises from the federal government. There is a compliance supplement that says exactly what they're required to do, exactly what your auditors would need to look at. And maybe as a good example, PRF. So the reporting period two is now open. For 1231 clients, period two belongs within their schedule of awards. And we as auditors would need to audit what you input into the portal for period two. Just talked to a client a couple of days ago about it who indicated, hey, I got until March to do it. Well, if we're auditing you in March, that would be really difficult from a compliance standpoint to be able to audit if it has not been put in the portal. So be aware of what the timelines are, what the deadlines are, and that you're meeting not only the timing restrictions, but that if there's requirements we need to look at prior to auditing, that they're ready for the auditors. So it sounds complex for individuals who have already been working with federal and state and county funds, what about our clients listening for the first time they're receiving these funding? Where, where do they start? Because there's a, there's a lot to do. Excellent question. You're right. There is a lot from the start to take on if you've never had the funding before. So if you've received funding and now the federal threshold for a not-for-profit organization is $750,000 of expenditures. So if you incur that as an organization, I would start by reaching out to your auditors. That changes the scope of the audit. And so now this concept of the uniform guidance and following the uniform guidance for your audit is now required. And so you would start by preparing a schedule of expenditures of federal awards. So what you've incurred by program name, including the CFDA number, if they were COVID funds, if they were not COVID funds, it's a schedule like any other schedule within your audit. From a balance sheet income statement, it's a schedule of awards. Management prepares, management should be reviewing for the accuracy and completeness of that schedule. From that schedule, then, the auditors would look at and determine which program to test from an audit standpoint. And so along those same lines, when you're looking at it, there's not only compliance requirements laid out, but there should be controls over compliance as it relates to every grant and every compliance requirement. So someone, federal government or your auditor, should be able to walk in and say, hey, you had to do reporting. I see the report you submitted. Who reviewed it? Who approved it? What evidence is there? So there's a lot to take on when it comes to a first-time single audit for nonprofits. For for-profits, that guidance is evolving from HHS. There should be a training here in a couple of weeks as it relates to guidance from HHS. But I think it's important for people to recognize they received COVID funding organize what your expenditures were, know what the total is for the fiscal year, and start with the conversation with your auditors. 
what are my next steps? Here's what now I know the scope is of the audit and figure out next steps. Thanks, Laura. So in summary, what we would like everyone today to do is to look at the different funding you've received through your fiscal year and determine if that funding came through a federal agency, if it went from a federal agency to a state agency to you is still considered federal funding and take an inventory of that funding. And if that funding is over that threshold, you know, make sure that your controls are ready for an audit, make sure you have accurate documentation around what you've spent the money on. And then obviously be talking to your auditors about what additional work they'll need to do, either from a for-profit or not-for-profit behavioral health entity around the testing. So thank you to Laura and Travis for joining us today. And thank you to the listeners joining this podcast. If you found this episode useful and would like to listen to more episodes about hot topics in the healthcare industry, please subscribe to our Healthy Outcomes podcast or learn more by visiting us at bakertilly.com. Thank you for listening. To receive notifications when new episodes are available, please subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts. For additional resources, check out bakertilly.com.